Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian with me, and today we're continuing our month of sequel September, and we'll be covering today The Exorcist Part 3, uh, a movie from 1990, directed by William Peter Blatty, and starring George C. Scott, Ed Flanders, Jason Miller, and Scott Wilson. This movie is about a police officer who is hunting down a serial killer. Um, Brian, I know we reviewed uh, the first Exorcist as part of this podcast, and I feel like we weren't really hot on it, were we? I think we both liked it. We just were like, don't we're not quite on board with the uh, the worship of it. Oh, okay, yeah, like the critical acclaim, or like, yeah, how it's like kind of uh, praised as like one of the best horror films out there. Yeah, yeah, like I get it, but it's not it's not one of my favorites. Yeah, I always kind of feel guilty about that, that, like, we're not, like, as amped up as, like, other people are. Um, you, you don't think we're just, like, missing the boat there? I, you know, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. I think that, like, it, I don't take pleasure. <laughs> when we very first started, I may have taken a slight amount of pleasure, pleasure in disliking things and, like, uh-huh. and criticizing what was wrong about them because I feel like I was learning how to do it. Sure, sure. <laughs> but and not that I ever really wanted to dislike something, but now I really am unhappy to dislike something. And I, if I don't like it, I don't. I'm not as eager to talk about it. Oh, really? You don't get off anymore on like uh, being the naysayer and like. Uh, no, I, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Do you? Uh, a little bit. Maybe we should watch Tusk again. If you have a uh, yeah, I, I think it's enjoyable, especially when you can get, uh, when you can point to like uh, specific things. Do you remember like the original Exorcist? Like, were we like at, the, at a three or four out of five, or what our rating was? I think we were both like three, three and a half on it. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, um, like, by the way, you yeah. said this was the Exorcist Part Three, and just to be what a listener probably has said to you already is the Exorcist Three is the title. Oh. <laughs> Roman numeral three. <laughs> yeah, which and that's different from The Exorcist Part Three. There is no The Exorcist. Well, yeah, I mean, some movies have part in the title. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's not The Exorcist Three. It's or Part Three. It's just Exorcist Three. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> this is this is gripping. Yeah, I can't, I can't tell the, if we're arguing about the da in front of Exorcist or the parts. That. The the is not the part. The part is the part that we're arguing <laughs> okay. about. So the the is so definitely the movie there, is no? called The Exorcist Three, but you said The Exorcist Part Three. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right, The Exorcist Three. Yeah, thanks. Which I guess uh, reading about this, this was actually um, the sequel. If you look at the books, right? Yeah. So uh, William Peter Blatty wrote the movie, directed the movie, and it's based on a novel he wrote called Legion, which was a direct sequel to his novel the exorcist um and by the way we skipped two neither one of us has seen two but this was a request i wanted to remember to say from a listener jake on facebook so thanks jake and jake and someone else another listener named karen on twitter both told us that we could skip two yeah i think kyle told me the same thing uh people are pretty down on uh part two (laughs) yeah it sounds like i'd like i feel like a you may not guess it, but I feel like a bit of a completist. Like, I don't want to skip around in a franchise, yeah. but it seems like enough people have said so. that, And I've seen so much talk about this movie on Twitter that I really wanted to see it. Right, right. And I never felt like watching it either that like we missed out on something. But I, I guess uh, you don't know until uh, you actually watch it. 
Yeah, and I mean, this movie doesn't really touch on the second one at all, so so we're good. Yeah, yeah, I like that continuity here, that it's, it's the same guy who wrote, and uh, I think he directed the first one too, right? No, no, uh, William Friedkin, I believe, was the director oh. of the first one. Right, right, I, yeah, right, okay, he just, uh, this guy just wrote and directed this one, and he only wrote the first one. Yeah, correct. Okay, um, and then I, I think he's only, like, directed two movies, like, this was his last movie he directed anyway. Which, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's. I think he just made it a part of his agreement that like he was going to direct this with. Uh, I can't remember the production company now. Morgan Creek, I think. Okay. Yeah, Morgan Creek. Wait, which I, I thought was kind of impressive. Like watching it, you don't feel like this is like a first or second time uh, directorial um, work. If, if, no, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I, I could notice a couple of parts that were a little off, but it wasn't like uh, could have been off. You know, any director could have made those mistakes. Yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, mistakes is subjective. Sure. But sure. yeah, I thought it was well done for a, a director who hadn't really directed much before. Only yeah, one yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And that's awesome to be able to both screenwrite, be an author, and then also a director. That's kind of like doing it all. Yeah, I wonder how often that's happened. Yeah, I know. I want to pay attention to that more going forward. Um. What, what did you think of the the genre of this film? Do you think it aligns with the first film, or did you feel like this went in a different direction? You know, it does align, but I like that it's kind of um, many people are possessed. Like, oh. it almost like fits into a subgenre I identify as like demons rather than demonic possession. Like, sure, it's not an exorcism movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, there is an exorcism at the end of the movie, but it was kind of forced in by Morgan Creek. It yeah. sounds like it wasn't really a part of the novel. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's the big difference. Is like, the first one was all about, like, an exorcism, and this one, uh, way less so. Yeah, so I think it does take a, t- a slight, like, curve in this in terms of the subgenre, but still, like, a nice... Uh, segue like it's a nice continuation of the story in my mind what do you think i agree i also thought they added like a a bit of like a a cop like detectives almost like slasher like some cop in in uh georgetown i guess like chasing down a serial killer uh they like i thought they kind of brought that angle in a bit more uh right yeah it was kind of like a crime movie it almost reminded me of like seven or something yeah right like a detective trying to figure out uh, who a killer is or something yeah yeah interesting way to marry those two genres I, i like that yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, did you recognize, uh, so this guy who plays the, our main character, Lieutenant uh, Kinderman, uh, was played by George C. Scott. Uh, he wasn't in the first one, right? Um, No, his character was briefly, but it was a different actor. Okay, got it. And then uh, did you recognize him from anything? I recognized him from The Changeling. Oh. Which uh, is like a 1980 haunted house movie. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen that one. Um, but I, I guess he was also Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. Oh, nice. See, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely got a very familiar face. Yeah, and he was in Doctor Strangelove, Patton, some other big movies. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, th- yeah, definitely been around for a while. Anyone else? Re- oh, go ahead. Did you recognize the Gemini killer? No, I liked him though. Who was that guy? It was Brad Dorff, who is the voice of Chucky in the Child's Play franchise. Oh, no way, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. Uh, and has his uh, has his face been anything else? <laughs> um, he was place. in Dune. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Okay, yeah, some other can... stuff. Yeah, 
kind of has that crazy look about him. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. Uh, and then there are like a, a bunch of cameos in this. Uh, did you see like Samuel Jackson, Fabio, Larry King? <laughs> yeah, there were definitely some strange ones. Yeah, all in like one scene, right? <laughs> For the most part, they were all in one weird dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> wonder how they pitched that to these guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was random. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, the alternate ending. So I, I think originally they were going to go with an ending that aligned with the book, and then the was it the production company like tacked on this other ending? Yeah, they really wanted a... I think I remember reading it was like specifically one executive at that company really wanted an exorcism in the movie. Yeah. So they like ponied up an additional four million of budget just to do that last scene. Oh my God. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. It was an 11 million budget movie. So yeah. It's four mil- not that's, nothing. Yeah. That's like a third of your budget just for the end. That's yeah. wild. Um, speaking about it, though, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. Like, like uh, even the first one, the title, "The Exorcist." Uh, like, I, I always thought that movie was all about this exorcism, but I feel like with the title, it's really all about uh, the 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 priest and his character, right? Because the ex- that that the exorcist is like the person doing the exorcism, right? Yeah. So in this one, to call it the Exorcist uh, Three, as 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 you mentioned, um, I guess he there would have to be someone doing like some exorcism, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't really live up to the name. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get technical. But uh, Blatty really didn't want it to be called The Exorcist 3. He wanted it to be called Legion. Oh, and just like break away entirely? Yeah, yeah, and that's what the book was called. Yeah, Cause it, yeah. Because Exorcist 2 did so poorly. Sure, sure. That yeah, they were like... And then they admitted later that that was a mistake to title it that because it didn't do that well at the box. It did $39 million at the box office, which isn't bad, but... Yeah, moderate, um, moderate success yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Legion would have been pretty cool, like as, a, as its own film. But I, I mean, I guess it's the same story arc that that ties back to The Exorcist. Yeah, and it kind of hits on that uh, the fact that it was more than one killer essentially in this movie. Not to spoil yeah. anything prematurely. Right. That's interesting. Because uh, I, I would argue there was one killer in this film. But right. Uh, yeah, and we'll we'll talk more about that. Okay. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, yeah, no, inter- interesting move there. And, uh, and yeah, I, f- I feel like you can really feel the studios rewrite in there. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you kept track, uh, with exorcisms happening in popular culture? Happening in popular culture or like happening in the real world? Oh, I guess in the real world, but mostly, uh, famous people, but yeah. Uh, no, no <laughs> I haven't kept up with you. Uh, yeah. So I think in the sixties and seventies, apparently like, uh, there's like a 50% increase in the amount that were done. It seems like a big thing going on in UK, in the UK, uh, most famous people who have done an exorcism or have been a part of one, Mother Teresa. And then, uh, remember that guy, Bobby Jindal out of like, uh, was it Louisiana or something? He was the governor down there. Oh yeah. I think, I think he's done one recently or he did one like when he was in college. So I, I guess it's still a trend. Weird. Wouldn't something you'd ever consider doing? Uh, like, can anybody just do one though? Um, you need to be a priest, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I guess like you would sign up to get one done on you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd sign up. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're handing them out for free, I mean, that'd, that'd be cool to get exercised. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to see what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what comes out? Um, yeah. It's just really interesting. <laughs> I mean, uh, do, do you believe in all that stuff? Uh, no, I don't. Do you? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence. I mean, uh, I, I think, you know, and there's like reading up on it, there's, there's like a lot that ties into like um, preying on people who have like maybe like a, a mental illness or something and like trying to like say that's like the work of the devil and you need to exercise them or whatever. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, I think it kind of overlooks uh, or they try to like bundle in like other issues. But um, I don't know. I, I think people could be possessed. Uh, you don't you don't think so? I don't know. I, I just don't believe in that stuff anymore. I did when I was a kid, which is why the exorcist scared me so much when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and you like, you went to like a Catholic high school and everything, right? I did. Yeah. Catholic K through 12. Yeah. Right. Oh, K through 12. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but now you don't believe in that kind of stuff. No, I don't anymore. Okay. All right. Um, well, I mean, you could be possessed right now. And I mean, that's like something a possessed person would say, right? Like, uh, it's not possible. So yeah, I mean, who knows what might come out of me? True. True. We'll find out <laughs> in your words. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Anything else, uh, you want to mention about this before we go into it? Uh, the only other notable thing I thought was that, uh, William Blatty sued, he sued the New York times because his book Legion didn't get on the New York Times bestseller list, even though that it had the numbers to be on it. Oh, really? So why why didn't it get on there? It is... I never realized this, but I guess it makes sense. It's not just an objective list of the best-selling books. It's like an editorialized list. Oh, wow. So it's not just based on volume? No. I mean, that's a big part of it, but, yeah. but they, leave, they leave stuff off if they want to leave stuff off. Damn, that's cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd actually be interested in reading his, uh, I, like, I wonder how different The Exorcist and Legion are uh, as novels versus the films. Yeah, I'd like to read that too. Um, and Scream Factory released a 2016 director's cut that was supposed to be closer to mm-hmm. Blatty's vision of the film before they jammed in that exorcism scene. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, but I think it's still not, not quite perfect. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, it, it seems like a pretty good writer and good storyteller. Yeah, uh, for sure. You got a Ohio connection for us? Yeah, from our friend Alex. It it uh it goes off of some of those weird cameos. There's another one that that we didn't mention, so I'll save it for this. Nice. So we have our friend Alex connect our episodes to our home state of Ohio. Alex owns the bar and restaurant called Jukebox in Cleveland, Ohio. So you can swing by there, pick up beer, wine, or food safely from your car, or hang out on their patio, which is now open. And Alex says. Until this podcast, I had no idea there was an Exorcist 2, let alone an Exorcist 3. <laughs> this installment features an impressive cast headlined by film powerhouse George C. Scott. While most celebrate him for his iconic performances in Patton and Dr. Strangelove, for me, he will be remembered only for his voice work as Percival C. McLeach, the principal villain in Disney's The Rescuers Down Under. Oh, man. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Uh, I think so. A long time ago, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't into those movies, but I remember them. Yeah, yeah. Vaguely, right. Uh, he says there's lots of random cameos in this movie, including Fabio, Larry King, Samuel L. Jackson, and Patrick Ewing as the Angel of Death. Uh, Ewing was one of the most dominant college and professional players. Ewing was a ferocious rebounder and a beast to handle defensively, and only eight times in his NBA career did he ever make a three-pointer in a game, and the last time he did so was April 25th, 1996 at Gundarina against the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing good sports reference there yeah yeah uh he I, that guy was never on the Cavs, was he i, I thought that's where the, this was gonna go no he never played for the Cavs, to my knowledge oh okay okay uh yeah wow good 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 connection 
Uh, there was another one I found, too. I don't know if you saw that Jeffrey Dahmer showed this movie to some of his victims before he killed them. Oh, really? The Exorcist yeah. 3? Was that? Yeah. <laughs> he really identified with uh, the, the Gemini, Gemini killer. killer. Interesting. And the Gemini Killer is based off of the Zodiac Killer, right? Yeah, loosely based on the Zodiac. Right. Wow, super interesting. I wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder if any of those victims were like, uh, I need to see part one first. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, back up here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Um, uh, yeah, his uh, his first, most of his murders were not in Ohio, but his first murder was committed there. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah. Wow, I thought he did all this stuff like in Akron. No, most of his childhood was spent in like the Akron area, but I think most of his murders were like in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. I and, think. And like when they caught him in the end, he was in Milwaukee or he was back in Ohio? I believe in Milwaukee, but I'm not positive on that. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's like specials on that guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to check out some. And I feel like Jeremy Renner even played him in a like biopic. Wow. I can, yeah, I can kind of see that. that makes I want to say it was Renner, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that's all I got, man. Cool, yeah, great. Awesome connection. Thanks, Alex. Um, all right, well, yeah, anything else, or should we jump into the plot and hit the spoilers in our review? Let's spoil some stuff. All right, sounds good. Uh, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I think there's someone at my door. <laughs> sure, buddy. All right, thanks. I'll be right back. All right. Hey man, I'm back. Yeah? Yeah, sorry, I hired this guy to come by uh, to repair my uh, imaginary radio, but <laughs> I could tell he was a fraud because he couldn't tell the difference between my imaginary radio and my imaginary television. So I, I don't know, man, it's just so hard to find like good talent these days. That's, the, that's the true test. Right, <laughs> yeah. Make sure they go to the right uh, but yeah, product or equipment. <laughs> you just call and you're like, yeah, my radio was broken. Wink, <laughs> wink. Yeah, yeah. They should have picked up on those winks. Know what's going on there? <laughs> phone wink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I guess on the phone you have to say it out loud. I guess they can't actually see the wink. Uh, all right, cool. You want to jump into the plot then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so this movie starts out with this creepy sequence uh, that starts in a church. And uh, we see like the Jesus uh, statue like open its eyes, and then uh, we're we're kind of like in the position of this entity that's like walking out into the streets, and there's this kid that we see in the um, in the focus of the screen, and then the next morning uh, there's a, a crime scene, and we assume someone has been killed, which is is the kid. Uh, what do you think of this opening? It was very like moody and atmospheric. I dug it. Yeah, yeah, I found it a little bit confusing, but yeah, it felt like, uh, yeah, really heavy on the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and, and it kind of puts you right in it. So then then we get introduced to our main characters. There's Lieutenant Kinderman, who's this cop, uh, and as Brian mentioned, uh, he was a character in the first uh, exorcism, and he's looking into this murder. And the other main character is this guy named Father Dyer and, and their friends. Uh, there's some great character building that happens early on. I, I love like the dialogue that they that goes on between them. Like they go on this date to see the wonderful life, and they're like eating at a restaurant. They're just kind of like spitballing back and forth, 
and um, I guess they both knew Father uh, Karras from the first film. Uh, what did you think of like all this like character building and dialogue? I loved it. I really loved the dialogue. It's like inventive and kind of flowery. It like almost was like Tarantino esque. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah, like kind of casual, but like still giving away a lot about the character and like going in these like curves on the conversation that you wouldn't expect. It, it was really good. Yeah, like Lieutenant uh, Kinderman went on this elaborate diatribe about how his mother-in-law was staying with them and she <laughs> is cooking carp, but she insists that they keep it alive so there's a carp in their bathtub. And it was oh just <laughs> kind of off the wall, but it was... Uh, it was appreciated. That was hilarious. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. I totally forgot about that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It was, and it, like, came out of nowhere. It had nothing to do with the plot or anything. These are just, like, great, like, character giveaways. And then later, not to jump ahead in the plot, but just since we're talking about the dialogue and the banter between these two already, uh, Kinderman goes to visit uh, Father Dyer at the hospital at one point, and he's reading women's wear daily. And he's like, you're reading women's wear daily? And he goes, so what am I supposed to do? Give spiritual advice in a vacuum? <laughs> <laughs> there was just a lot of yeah. stuff like that between the two of them. And I, I really appreciated it. Yeah. Yeah. Great chemistry. And like, yeah, great, great back and forth dialogue. That was, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like that gave the movie like a lot of its uh, initial momentum. It was just those two uh, ripping off each other. For sure. Uh, so then after the state, uh, we, we jump to a scene, uh, in the church where there's another father who's listening to someone give a confession and that person who we can't see who's giving the confession starts, uh, letting on that they've murdered a bunch of people. And then we hear the father scream and off, off camera, he dies. So now we're at like two murders, both that have happened off screen. And, uh, what did you think? Like, are, are you getting kind of upset that you're not seeing these murders happen? No, I liked the mystery of it, and I really liked that creepy voice and the creepy confession. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just unnerving. I was I was enjoying the fact that a lot was left up to the imagination. Me too, yeah. That, that's that's one thing that was really cool. And, and like, yeah, when that voice, like, laughs after he's, like, talking, that's pretty creepy. Well, and they, I say leave things up to the imagination. They didn't show much, but they described how that boy died. Right, yeah. It was messed up. He had his eyes pierced. Then he was decapitated. His head was replaced with the head of a statue. Yep. The statue was made up in blackface. It was a little black kid. Yeah. And then he was cru- the body was crucified. All while, like, I think this kid was alive, right? Because he was being, yep. um, yeah, they kind of paralyzed him with a drug. Yep. So, so he was totally aware of what was happening to him. So it was just, like, mm-hmm. super disturbing. Right. It, it, but again, like, you don't see any of it, and you're just, like, hearing someone talk about it. And, it, like, yeah, it creates these visuals in your head that stick with you. Yeah, man, I really, that's just something that time and time again is always hitting home for me. Leaving things to the imagination can be yeah, way more powerful. For sure. Yeah, and I think this movie definitely demonstrates that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind Kinderman's kind of investigating these murders, and he finds out, like, both uh, the, this priest and that kid, um, they were kind of, they, they both, I guess, received this uh, drug before they were killed that would have paralyzed them, and, like, they would have seen themselves being tortured and experienced all that pain. So pretty brutal stuff. He's also finding that all these victims are having their index fingers cut off. So then the next night, uh, Father Dyer, he's in the hospital, and he gets murdered, um, someone drained all the blood from his body and put it in these like neat little jars next to his bed. And again, this like happens off screen. We don't see it. And the index fingers of his are cut off. So it's, it's kind of like another gruesome death that happens off screen, right? Yeah. 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 Like, and I, I initially balked at the fact that all his blood would be in those cups. Yeah. 
but I uh, I counted and it seemed like it, it would have worked out. There's 1.2 to 1.5 gallons of blood in the body, in case anyone's curious. And, and you think there were enough jars to account for that? There were 21 cups that looked to be about 8 ounces, and that would be right on the money. <laughs> you counted all the cups. I don't know why. I was just like, there's no way. There's That's, yeah. all the blood in the human body is in that. But then I was like, this seems like something Blatty would have thought through. So I, Yeah, it doesn't look like a lot sitting there on that table, like in all these neat little jars. No, I guess, no, I guess that adds up. All right. Well, yeah, I, I guess I know how many uh, jars to bring when I see you next time. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, so yeah, this fa- Father Dyer is dead now. Um, Kinderman tells the hospital staff uh, that um, he suspects there's a serial killer at work, this killer known as the Gemini Killer, who was killed 15 years ago, but um, a lot of the signs they're seeing with these killers or with these murders uh, are telltale signs, like the index fingers being gone, uh, everyone being killed, having like a K in their name, uh, just things uh, like that, like uh, words being misspelled, uh, things like that. So, um, did you did you follow this whole trail of ideas? Yeah, for the most part. How about you? Uh, I was I was a little in and out on like uh, so they definitely killed the Gemini killer fifteen years ago or was there an idea that like the wrong person turned themselves in and like the Gemini killer might be loose still? Yeah, I think that was the the premise that maybe it was the wrong person. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Um, so they start doing this investigation of all the patients at the hospital, and Kinderman uh, finds this one patient who's locked in this isolation place uh, who had just shown up uh, I think like uh, fifteen years ago maybe. But um, and this guy looks exactly like Father uh, Karis from Part One, or sorry, the Exorcist. The Exorcist. <laughs> I won't call it the Exorcist one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that priest that we saw die in the first one. Uh, there's a guy who looks exactly like him in the isolation room, um, but he claims he's not Karis and that he's in fact the Gemini serial killer. And his face changes while he's talking. It took me a while to catch on to like that these were like two different faces. I just thought it was like a lighting, but did you catch on to that? <laughs> that is some drastic differences in lighting, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, <laughs> we all look the same to you, don't we? A little bit sometimes. <laughs> it's like that's weird. In this light, this guy looks like way younger. <laughs> that's surprising. <laughs> but yeah, I guess they were hair color. Yeah, exactly. But I guess they were like changing the the actor in and out, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So so yeah, the face is changing between Father Karis and uh, I guess the younger guy was the Gemini killer probably. Yeah, Brad Dorf, okay. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh and so as the Gemini killer, he's admitting to the de- the detective to Kinderman that uh he's like the one going around killing everyone. But it, I felt like Kinderman didn't quite believe him at this point, right? I can't decide or can't remember at this point. I think he's suspicious because he's like wondering if uh, the nurse or anyone has like talked to this guy about like the murders happening or something. Yeah, because uh, he hasn't really seen anything supernatural, so yeah, it, it would be hard for him to believe that this guy's escaping. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's pretty hesitant. Um, but then that night, um, there's a nurse that's walking around uh, the hospital, and uh, she locks this door and walks away, and this thing comes after her and murders her. Which I think this is like one of the most famous uh, like jump out scares, right? Yeah, that is why Karen on Twitter uh, reached us, out to us about this movie. She wasn't requesting it; she was just mentioning. She like commented on our scariest shots episode about it. Yeah, yeah, I and yeah, and I had seen this already on Twitter. It's like a GIF. Yeah, I know. I yeah, people often talk about it. Were you surprised? Had you seen this clip before? 
Uh, yeah, I think I'd seen it on YouTube when we were doing that episode. Uh, I think I like Google. Oh, okay. Scary scene. But uh, yeah, that's a scary scene, though. It is. Shoot, I was hoping at least one of us would be completely shocked by it. But it was still, it's still shocking. Yeah, yeah. Like the way like the, the volume kicks in, like right when that thing's coming out and like zooms in as this woman's like cha- being chased by this uh, demon. Well, it was a great setup, too. It was like a five, solid oh, yeah. five minute single shot of just this woman kind of shuffling around the hallway, taking care of routine stuff, but like, yeah kind of getting creeped out by noises here and there and then yeah yeah it was cool it was well done again that is not something that did not have a first time director feel that seemed like somebody who knew what they were doing yeah yeah building that scene up uh yeah yeah that, that felt like a definitely some kind of expert there right really good um, so Kinderman goes talk goes back to talk to this Father Karras patient, uh, who's actually the Gemini killer, and uh, the Gemini killer kind of re- reveals that every night he's able to like possess these other patients in the hospital and commit these murders. Um, and the next day, the Gemini killer possesses this elderly woman in the hospital, and there's a scene where like she's crawling around on the ceiling as she like escapes the hospital. Which what, what did you think of that visual? <laughs> That was a little unfortunate looking. I thought it looked pretty silly. How about you? I thought that was kind of cool. Like, yeah, it, it was kind of silly and, and uh, slapsticky, but uh, also like I, I don't know, it was just so unexpected with everything we'd seen so far. All right, cool. Yeah, I had seen that uh, the image of that online, so maybe it wasn't. It was a little expected to me, but uh, oh, okay. Yeah, some of the effects. There were a couple of scenes, and this is one of two that were just a little silly in their appearance to me, and kind of took me out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next one's coming up, but oh, okay. I like the premise. I like the idea, and these are patients in the psych ward that the Gemini killer is possessing. By the way, yeah, right. And and this is the lady who uh, had an imaginary radio, right. um, trying to get it fixed. Yeah. Oh, so, I that was a different lady. Oh, was it? <laughs> oh wait, uh, I can't remember. Never mind. It's not important. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember either. Um, all right. Well, uh, so yeah, this, this woman, uh, escapes from the hospital and, um, she goes to Kinderman's house where, uh, she brings this huge, like, uh, what would you call that? Like, a, um, like a big, uh, not like it's a, like pruning shears for a head. Yeah. Yeah. Like huge shears kind of right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and she, she gets possessed by the Gemini killer and she tries to kill, uh, father or kill, uh, Kinderman's family, but Kinderman shows up and they get in this fight. And right when she's about to kill Kinderman, uh, she stops because I guess at the hospital, a priest has just shown up and, um, I guess he's like called priest morning or something. Yeah. Father morning. Oh, father morning. <laughs> where, where did this dude come from? And, and he's like trying to do an exorcism now on, on father Karras. Yeah, that was my, like, comment while I was watching it. Like, where the hell did this guy come from? He's not yeah. really in the rest of the movie. And then it's like, oh, Father Morning. This is what Morgan Creek forced into the movie. Like, right. there needed to be an exorcism, and so they needed to come up with somebody to do it. So this guy was tacked on. He felt very tacked on. So it was almost like we're leaving to see that because it was like, okay, I'm not crazy. That did feel forced. Yeah, I know. They like randomly thrown this new character who like shows up right when like this attack scene's happening. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's it poorly really done. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so the father shows up and like starts doing an exorcism at the hospital, which makes the woman uh, attacking this guy's family stop doing what he's doing. Um, what did you think of that attack scene where like she goes at the the daughter with like that uh, shear? 
That was another one I thought looked really silly because she's coming at her with the shear and then her mom like grabs her hair and pulls her head away. Yeah, that looked really weird, didn't it? It was like cartoony, something about that effect. I don't know if it was sped up or what. Yeah, yeah, something weird happened there with the editing. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to like watch it a couple times to see why exactly it looks so silly. Yeah. Uh, And I couldn't quite get it, but yeah, it looked like a cartoon. I think it's also because you could no human that's not the way like human muscles work you yeah. can just like grab her by her hair and pull her away without like yeah really jerking her head and yeah it was just as if as if like a human picked up another human by their hair and just like scooched <laughs> them over a few feet <laughs> i know just like the head and neck like shifted over to the left a little bit yeah it was like a a mom dog picking up their puppy by the scruff yeah yeah exactly uh it was a close call i, I thought uh her head was gone but now yeah, i guess she she barely missed Close call. I feel like there should have been a whoop sound effect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just to complete the picture. (laughs) So, yeah, the attack of the house stops. This priest is now trying to do this exorcism on on Father Icarus. Um, But it's not going well, and the priest is, like, getting pasted onto the wall, and, like, his skin is getting ripped off. And then Kinderman shows up at the hospital and tries to shoot this uh, Father Icarus. But um, he's not able to, and, and now Father Karras and the Gemini Killer kind of, like, have uh, Kinderman and are, and are about to kill him. But then somehow this priest wakes up and wills uh, Father Karras to take over his body, like, to come back to his senses and, like, kind of beat the uh, possession for a minute. And when he does that, Kinderman quickly shoots him. And then the movie ends with Kinderman burying uh, Karras. Um, anything I miss? I think that what has happened here, and I already forget, and I don't think we've mentioned it, is that when Father Karras died in the first one, he hadn't quite died, and the demon that possessed the Gemini killer, I think, yeah, then jumped into Karras's body. Right, yeah, yes, yeah, sorry, we missed that whole explanation, right. Yeah. Uh, so basically, does that mean Karras has been running around for the last 15 years as a Gemini killer? Well, he's been in jail, or in the psych ward for the past 15 years. Okay. They essentially found him, like, muttering to himself and confused on the street. Yep, yep. Because the gem- the demon that possesses him says, when I got into this body, there was, like, a ton of brain damage. Oh, yeah. And, like, it took me 15 years just to, like, get him to a functioning state so that I oh. could do my thing with his body. I see. That's why, like, the, this guy hasn't been killing people for 15 years. Like, now it's just at a point where it can. Yeah, yeah. He was essentially figuring out how to work this damaged human Got for it. 15 years. That makes sense. And uh, you're saying the Gemini killer, that person themselves was like a demon, and uh, their um, consciousness is now in uh, the body of Father Christ. It's not that um, a demon put the gen- gentleman who was Gemini killer his uh, personality into this guy. I can't remember the mechanics of how that worked, or maybe I never understood it in the first first place. I kind of thought the Gemini killer was possessed by a demon in the first place. Mm. Then okay. that demon jumped to Karis, but, uh, yeah. but I'm not sure. Maybe it was just the Gemini killer's consciousness jumped into Karis. I, I don't remember. Sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but either way, I guess like Father Karis is, was possessed by the Gemini killer this entire time. And, uh, yeah, that, that, and the Gemini killer was jumping into other people at, at night, right? And, and possessing them to kill people. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but after Father Dyer is killed in the hospital, I can't even remember why he's in the hospital. Does he have like a 
cardiac thing yeah. or something. They never really explain why he's in there. Yeah. Anyway, then like Lieutenant Kinderman is making them show him all around the hospital because he wants it on lockdown and wants to know, you know, all the if there's a murderer in the hospital essentially, and they take him to the psych ward. Mm-hmm. And a patient comes up to him who's got dementia or something, and she asks, are you my son? And it's the same voice that was giving the confession right before oh, the priest was really? murdered. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so like that woman was possessed then? Right, yeah. Damn, yeah. She totally was the one who that. did the second murder in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Good catch. Uh, yeah, yes. they threw in some ominous music after she spoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, she- uh... That confirmed my suspicion. <laughs> that was a clue. Yeah, I should have paid attention to that. Uh, so, yeah, what, what did you think uh, overall? What were your thoughts on this one? Did you like it? Not like it? I liked it. I think it was maybe a little scattered or had some more opportunities that it didn't really pursue. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the idea that this guy has this army of patients in the psych ward that he can... And I'm sure psych ward is a horribly outdated term, so apologies, that he can, like, possess at any given time. And I just thought there was so much cool potential there, and I loved it any time it happened that I kind of wanted to see more of it. Mm -hmm. And then, but even so, I don't think there was, I think that would have existed with or without the Morgan Creek meddling. Like, I don't think they went any further with that in the screenplay originally. Yeah. But I would have loved the conclusion, the finale of the film, to be something like that instead of this exorcism scene. Oh yeah, yeah. The exorcism scene, obviously, at the at the end, it was, it was like tacked on and like garbage. Uh, but so you're saying you would have liked to see more of like him uh, possessing like the patients in the hospital and like doing some kind of attack that way. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe even like had a scene where like many of them were possessed or something. I don't know. It just yeah. it seemed like the perfect uh, recipe for some true creepiness. That's true. Yeah, they could have taken that anywhere. Um, I I was under the impression though that he could basically possess anyone. Like I didn't know it was like restricted to people in the hospital. But I guess I guess every kill was tied to someone back in the hospital. He mentioned at one point something about how their minds being specifically easy to possess. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that would have been a cool angle to to chase down. I feel like this movie though already had like so many like uh, plot points and like storylines and like conversations. Like, uh, I, I, it felt like pretty full and, and, uh, I don't, I don't know about the pacing too. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like it took like a lot more conversational routes than like big, like scenes of like attacks or anything. It really did. There was some long dialogue, especially between the Lieutenant and the Gemini killer. Oh my God. Yeah. I thought the dialogue was really engaging and well-written, but it, it did go on long, man. What did, what did you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, uh, it, it's only an hour and a half, but it feel like the movie feels like a little bit longer. Um, but I, yeah, I loved those, uh, conversations though. Like they were really interesting. Like that, like when he'd have the conversations with the Gemini killer and just that guy's acting and like what he was saying, uh, I, I, I was, I was really into it. Uh, this is an hour and 50 minutes. Hour 50? Oh, I thought it was only an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. It was an hour and uh, 110 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess that, that is kind of a long movie then. Yeah. And, uh, one of the, uh, I saw a fun fact. It was one of the rare circumstances where the director's cut is shorter. <laughs> nice i like that <laughs> yeah that's how it should be yeah i think the uh the pacing was a little off like there was time spent where i didn't really want time to be spent like it wasn't that i was against it but i just wanted some some more time spent elsewhere maybe sure 
but it really helped the like crime feel too. Yeah. I, I thought that the idea that whole thing of like where they spent time in this movie made this very like unique compared to other scary movies. Like it wasn't like spent like building up scares or um, like building up for any type of, type of like jump scare or anything. Um, it was like so like dialogue and conversation driven. Where yeah, I think to your point, it kind of hits more like on, on like a psychological uh, crime film, if anything. Yeah, and I almost wondered if maybe, and I don't know if this would still happen or be less likely to happen or more likely to happen when you've got the author of the novel screenwriting and directing. But I feel oftentimes in a movie that was based on a novel, mm-hmm. it can feel a little cluttered because they don't know what oh. from the book to cut and what to leave in. Yeah, yeah. Great. Like, once you know how the entire plot of a book fits together, everything seems important. Every little piece seems important yeah. because typically it is. Right. Every piece of dialogue, every conversation, every character. Yeah, so I just feel like in a movie they often don't know what to cut and what to keep. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a, a, an issue when it comes to transcribing things. I'm like, that whole Doctor Sleep movie, am I right? That kind of thing cuts. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, but I'm with you. Like that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, you have this guy who wrote the book, and he's trying to like figure like he's doing the editing of it and putting in what he thinks and. Yeah, maybe he jammed it up a little bit more than necessary, but I, I liked that, that it wasn't like a, your typical scary film, like just going one scare to the next. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was really well written and well thought out. Yeah. Um, and it, I do think one thing it does really well is continues the story without dishonoring the original. Like, it changes enough to not make it just another movie about someone who's possessed in an exorcism, but right. it still goes on the same characters, like... Yeah. takes the history and moves it forward. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, it's a really cool way of like staying in the same universe but like telling a different story. How did you feel it. about the scare factor? Um, like the fact that they're only like maybe like well, actually, I, I loved it because like so much of the scare factor in this is uh, you know conversations that where they're talking about like scary stuff, and so it's in your imagination or uh, the like the one or two jump out scares, which you know were pretty okay. So uh, yeah, I, I liked that. What, what did you think? I thought it was cool too. I felt there were a couple of sequences in churches too, where there was just eerie noises or like wind. Um, there was a shot of a statue with like a distorted, creepy face, and as you mentioned, Jesus, Jesus's eyes opening on the crucifix. A lot of stuff like that. I, I want to say I wish there was more of, but it was probably just right. That stuff really uh, was up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in general, you like uh, religious horror and like uh, those kind of things. Uh, like I the do. Jesus statues. I, even though I don't really believe in that stuff anymore, I do really like it. Yeah, it's it's creepy, isn't it? It is creepy. Yeah. Uh, I I just feel like churches and stuff are like creepy on their own, and then like yeah, when when you add like this whole other layer of like a bleeding Jesus or like its eyes opening, uh, yeah, that that kind of just amps it up even more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of gone like a. I don't know if it's a 180 or a 360 on it. Like it used to creep me out as a kid because I assumed all this like devil and demon and Satan stuff was true. Yeah. And now I'm at the other end where I feel like church and God in general is creepy to me. (laughs) Now just the whole thing is scary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Do you feel like with these movies though, uh, one thing that, that I struggle with is like there is this kind of like inherent sense of like, uh, good versus evil, like uh, Christ and, and like the, 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 the Christian belief and all that stuff is, is like fighting this like dark side. Um, do, do you feel like it makes it like too binary in a way? Um, no, I like that. I mean, 
Yeah, maybe. It doesn't bother me, though. Like, I like that story. Yeah, it doesn't come off as, like, one big sermon to you or anything. It does, kind of, but I don't mind when movies do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love a movie that is more complex and, like, the good guy has a lot of flaws and the bad guy has good points and you're like, oh my gosh, I kind of <laughs> agree with the bad guy. But yeah, I like a good old fashioned, like good versus evil story too. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It, it draws the lines pretty cleanly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I always try to empathize with a guy who's like possessed in these films. It's, <laughs> it's hard in this Just like Jeffrey Dahmer, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got to put yourself in their shoes and just kind of understand it. Um, yeah, uh, so I guess how many, um, how many priests melting on the wall would you give this one? This was a really tough one. I, I'm somewhere between a three and a half and a four. Yeah. Um, I love so much about this movie, but at the same time, I feel like I landed a three and a half just because I do think maybe there were some pacing. I don't want to, I'm hesitant to call them issues just because like, that's the movie it was. Right. I think that for my own personal taste and what I wanted the movie to be, they were pacing issues for that. So I'll I'll give it a 3.5 and a couple of the sequences with visual effects were a little bit laughable. As I mentioned, the woman on the ceiling and the woman being yanked away by her hair, like they kind of took me out of what otherwise was a really creepy movie. Yeah. What do you think about the visual effect uh, at the end with the, cause I feel like the priest getting burned onto the wall was, uh, Kind of that a, was a that was too. cool. His skin like coming off on the wall was that was creepy and cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm with, I'm with you. Some of the effects uh, fell a little bit short uh, than what you'd expect. Yeah, I feel like on a different day I could give it a four, but I, I think I'll go with a three and a half for now. How about you? Uh, you know, I was I was struggling the same uh, between three and a half and a four. Um, and I think you're right. This is like a very different movie. It's not like your typical horror film. Um, it is like a, a lot slower. Um, but yeah, I just feel like the amount of like details they threw into like these characters, uh, I just really appreciated that, and it kept you engaged even though it was like a longer and slower paced film. Like I felt myself really bought into like the main characters here. So yeah, yeah. agreed. And yeah. I, we haven't mentioned it, but man, I thought George C. Scott had an amazing performance. Oh yeah, yeah, he was he was great. Yeah, that he, he yeah, carried the movie really well. Everyone's performance really. Well, yeah, yeah, I feel like everyone is pretty spot on on, on yeah. who they were. Ed Flanders, his father Dyer, great. Brad Dorf was great too. Was he? Who was Brad Dorf? The Gemini Killer. Oh okay. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Chucky, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The different lighting Gemini Killer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. I so yeah. I, I think all those things that considered. I, I think I went. I'd go with the four probably. But uh, yeah, it's just it is a very different movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks, Jake, for recommending it to us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we saw this one. This is a yeah, great. I've been edit. wanting to uh, do it for or at least see it for a while, and then it worked out. It and fit into sequel September. You know, it's always weird because uh, part threes, uh, I feel like I, I never consider them as sequels. Uh, but I guess anything after the first one's a sequel, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think so. Although you tend to think of that like S-E-Q prefixes meaning second. So Right. Yeah, I think technically anything after the first one is a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that took me a while to figure out. That <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> um, and... Next, I feel like we've been dragging this out, but we are going to do The Devil's Rejects next week, everybody. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I feel like we mentioned that like synonymous with us doing Sequel September, and we still haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah, I know. I feel like that one's been hyped up. Hopefully it delivers. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, one last thing, I, I feel like we didn't talk about the uh, original ending, what was supposed to be here. Which uh, did, did you read up on that one at all? A little bit, and I already forget. Uh, it sounded really cool. Apparently, like the Gemini Killer um, in the book and like in the original version of this film, uh, just dies like on their own because the Gemini oh. fa- Killer's father dies. Yeah. And, and the Gemini and it, Killer was all about just like trying to get the acceptance or impress his father. Yeah, which is super deep. I like that. Yeah, I like, like that too. That could have been hard to pull off on screen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think maybe they could have done it, but that seems like something that would work better in a nuanced novel. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, I think it would have come out of nowhere, which, I mean, I, you know, this character who does show up at the end, uh, that priest did come out of nowhere, but I think similar to that, there would have had to, like, been a father that finally, like, or, like out of nowhere shows up and has right, a heart attack. Right, I mean, maybe throughout the movie there was dialogue that was originally included that built oh, that sure. up. Yeah, yeah, that kind of hints towards that relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been a really cool angle, though. I would, I would have appreciated seeing that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's got a little more meaning. Well, cool. Any Anything else on this one? That's it. All right, we'll wrap it up then. That's it for our discussion on The Exorcist 3. <laughs> if you... What? The, right? What? The? Yeah. Is it The Exorcist 3? The Exorcist D? Uh, yeah, The Exorcist 3. Okay, that's it for our discussion on The Exorcist 3. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Brian already announced our next week's movie, uh, The Devil's Rejects, um, so try to watch it before the next episode, and you can join the conversation with us. Uh, We also now have a Discord server where we're chatting up with a few other listeners and horror fans. Uh, That link is on our website. We also have a Patreon page with some bonus content, so uh, if you want to throw some change our way, you can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is by MMA Pop Art, so check her out on etsy.com. And until next time, if your mother-in-law is in town, um, don't jump into the bathtub without checking for any fish in case uh, they're storing some fish in there. <laughs> you know, there's a story in my family about a car smelling really bad. <laughs> And they eventually realized that my great-grandmother, who had emigrated here from Italy, snatched a fish out of a public pond with her bare hand, wrapped it in newspaper, and put it under the seat. Oh, no. Forgot it was there. (laughs) 